Amen, amen. God bless you, church. So good to see you here this morning. God bless you, Mosaic. If you're online watching us, welcome. Uh, I encourage you to come. We have room for you. I encourage you to register. We have a place here for you. We have uh, social distancing. We're wearing masks. And so it's safe for you to be here. Amen. There's nothing that can replace us gathering together uh, in person. You can see and you can feel God's presence. You can fellowship with one another. So I encourage you to be here. But hey, if you're watching us online, be blessed. I know you're going to be blessed. And I know the Lord is going to speak to your life like he's going to speak to us this morning. So a couple of weeks ago, I talked to Pastor Jack. And I said, hey, Pastor, I'm not going to talk about prayer because, I mean, they're tired of me talking about prayer. And uh, I talk about prayer all the time through social media. And, and I lead the prayer ministry here on Tuesdays. And so I said, I'm, I'm not going to talk about prayer. But then he said, hey, there's one more serious, uh, one more uh, message uh, on the, um, the call. And so do you want to finish it? Do you want to do the last one? And then he leads me to chapter 12 of the book of Acts. And it's a powerful story from the book of Acts. And I love it because it talks about the power of prayer. So I guess today you're going to hear about prayer. And you're going to hear how prayer works and how the church, when they praise, God moves. And God does the impossible through prayer. And so it's a great story. I love this story because you can see God working behind the scenes. You can see God when the people gather together. You can see that God did a miracle. God did the impossible. And so I want to call this message the call of a praying church. The call of a praying church. Because we are called to prayer as a church, as a body. We are called to prayer. And I think... Prayer or the ministry of prayer will be vital to our survival. Vital to our survival as uh, believers and also as a fellowship uh, as with the church. It's going to be vital for us to be able to um, survive later down the road. And so we're going to see that here in the book of Acts in a little bit. How prayer actually release a lot of things in um, in, in, prayer, in Peter's life and in his ministry. So let's pray this morning. Let's prepare our hearts before the Lord and let's ask God to prepare our hearts, our minds, and for us to be able to receive what he has for us. Father God, we just come before you, Lord Jesus. We just thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here, allowing us to worship you, allowing us to lift your name on high. Father God, I pray, Lord, for each person that's listening today, Father God, each person that's here in this place. I pray, Father God, for their hearts for our hearts, Father God, I pray that you bless us, Lord. Bless us with the word. Speak to us this morning of what you want us to learn. And so, Father God, we give you this morning to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. So, let me ask you a question. How many of you guys know of churches that are meeting, constantly seeking God for prayer, for revival, uh, seeking God earnestly for a move of God here Nowadays, not too many, right? Prayer sometimes can, can be left out a little bit in the, in the churches. And so we see that mostly in other countries where people are seeking, earnestly praying for God to move, seeking God to, to pour out and to do miracles, to do signs. Why? Because people there are hungry. They're hungry for a move of God. They're hungry for God to show up. 
because that's what their last resort is. I mean, that's their only resort. And so they depend on prayer. They depend on earnest prayers all the time. And so we want to be a church that prays. We want to be a church that prays earnestly for God to do the impossible and for God to move like never before. It can be overwhelming to see everything that's going on around us. It can be way too much sometimes to listen to the news all the time, bad things happening uh, with the economy, with sickness, with evil. It, it can be crazy, overwhelming. And so if we focus on that, then we're going to get anxious, we're going to get depressed, we're going to get sad, we're going to just want to give up because it's too much. It's too much for us to be able to handle and so we need to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on the power of prayer. We need to focus on God that is in control of our lives, of our situations. God that is able to do above and beyond that we can ask for. And so we need to be able to, to do that as a body, as a church. Seeking him like never before. For everything that's going on in our lives. And if we, if we don't do that, the problem is that we're going to get to a place of Apathy and complacency. And those are the one number one enemies of the church. One of the enemies of the church. Apathy and complacency. When we think, oh, it's too much. We can't handle it. Let's just leave it alone. There's nothing that we can do. We'll just leave it at that. But the problem with complacency is that it, it leads to contentment. And it brings um, content with the way things are. Everything's fine. Uh, we can't do anything about it. We're just going to leave it at that. It brings content, contentment about our spiritual lives, about our thoughts, and about the church. And so, this leads to stagnant. This leads to the church being stagnant and not changing, not moving, not going to the next level, not seeking God for revival, not seeking God for a move of His Spirit, not seeking God for miracles, for signs and wonders. Why? Because we think it's impossible for God to do those. And so, we need to practice the ministry of prayer. We need to practice the power of prayer like never before, especially in the times that we're living. And so the, the enemy loves it when we don't pray. The enemy loves it when we don't rise up as a church. Why? Because he's not threatened. He doesn't feel threatened. And so a praying church is not a threat to the enemy. I mean, a praying church is a threat to the enemy. Sorry, it's a threat to the enemy. So when we pray... We can destroy the schemes of the enemy. When we pray, we can see his plans diminish. And so we can either delay his plans or eliminate his plans when the church prays. And we're going to see that in the book of Acts today when we, when we read it. So when we pray, we, see, uh, we can see signs and wonders. We can see God do the impossible. Uh, Ephesians 6.12, one of my favorite passages. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And so we need to know who our enemy is. We need to know how to fight the enemy. We see in this passage, when we read it, that the apostles and the church, they didn't go out there and, and riot and, and made riots or made... Um, manifestations. Why? Because they were not fighting against flesh and blood. They did what they, what they knew to do. They got on their knees and they prayed. And they saw God move. They saw a miracle take place. 
And so this is one of the most dramatic, powerful stories from the New Testament. When the church prayed earnestly. When the church gathered and prayed and sought the Lord earnestly. And he did the impossible. Let's take a look at the passage and let's see what it says um, in Acts chapter 12. It says, it was about the time that King Herod, this is King Agrippa the first, whom himself he believed to be the king of the Jews. He arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with a sword. When he saw that this met with the approval among the Jews, which it pleased the Romans and uh, it was appeasing the Jews' population, it, it was a political move. It was something that he needed to please uh, the people of his time. He proceeded to seize Peter also. This happened during the festival of unleavened bread, which is the Passover week. After arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. That's 16 people right there guarding one man. We're going to see why that is important. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. And I wrote that. Are you glad that we're not living in those times of persecution? Are you glad that we don't have to fear our lives right now? Uh, that we need to hide and maybe gather underground like other places do? So we need to be thankful for that. And we need to actually be glad that we don't live in those times. But hey, we need to be praying that God will have mercy on us. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. Earnestly, fervent, and persistent prayers were being made by God, uh, to God, to the church, by the church. So the night before Herod was to bring him to trial, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries stood guard at the entrance. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side, and he woke him up. Quick, get up, he said. And the chains fell off Peter's wrists. Supernatural intervention. He was asleep. Then the angel said to him, put on your clothes and sandals. And Peter did, did so. Wrap your cloak around you and follow me. The angel told him. Uh, and then Peter followed him out of the prison. But he had no idea that what the angel was doing was really happening. He thought that he was seeing a vision. Then he passed the first and the second guards and came to the iron gate leading to the city. It opened for them by itself. And they went through it. More supernatural interventions. When they had walked the length of one street, suddenly the angel left him. Then Peter came to himself and he said, Now I know without a doubt that the Lord has sent his angel and rescued me. From, the Herod, from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jews people were hoping would happen. What a powerful story. And if we continue reading, I mean, it gets even better. I mean, it, it gets to the point where like when Peter goes and knocks on the door of the church that was praying for him, they didn't believe him. They didn't believe him that God was, was going to do a miracle that quick. They were probably wondering Uh, what's going on? So we can see that here, and it's, it's not in, um, up there, but when they had, um, Peter went to uh, Mary, the mother of John's, uh, also called Mark, uh, where they were praying. Peter knocked on the outer entrance, and the servant girl named Rhoda 
she came and she, she answered the door. And uh, she recognized Peter's voice. And so she went and she ran and she told the people that Peter was there. They were like, no, you're crazy. That's not Peter. That's probably his angel. You're crazy. He's in jail. And they didn't believe him. They, they didn't believe her that, that he was there. And so, and so he kept knocking and saying, hey, it's me. It's me. But God did the impossible. God showed up when the people prayed. This was no easy, small prayer. This was earnest prayer. So this morning, we're talking about earnest prayer. We're talking about the difference uh, between earnestly praying versus um, other types of prayer. But it's a powerful, powerful story. Um, so we need to set it in our hearts that when we pray, God will show up. When we pray, God will do the impossible. When we pray, things will happen. We need to know and we need to anticipate that God is going to do great things. We need to anticipate that God will blow you away with your prayers. And he will do what in our eyes we think it's impossible. We need to have that type of faith. I need to have that type of faith. Sometimes when we go through stuff, when we go through, through trials, tribulations, we might not have enough faith to do it on our own. So that's why we're here Praying on Tuesdays, praying for one another. When you don't have that faith, you can count on the group to be praying for you. You can count on the church to be praying for you. That's why we emphasize prayer every Tuesday. It's so powerful. It's so important for us to be able to pray for one another, for us to be able to intercede for one another, for, what, for us to be able to uh, seek God for the impossible. And so God doesn't change. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so what he did back in the day, he can do it here now with us. He can do the impossible for us. And God has ordered the miracles, signs, and wonders, revival. Everything that we ask for will be done through prayer. That's how he set things up. That the church will move God's heart through prayer. We're going to see God move only if the church prays. We're going to see revival in our church, in our midst, only if the people pray. We're going to see supernatural things happen only if the people pray. Do you get that? If the church does not pray, if the church is not hungry for the supernatural, if the church is not hungry for a move of God, if the church is not hungry for God to do the impossible, then he will not do it. The church will be complacent and the church will fall in that category of stagnation. The church will be stagnant. The church will not go from glory to glory. The church will not go uh, seeing God move. So we need prayer to be something that the church is strong and, and the church believes in. So what did prayer do here in Peter? It supernaturally delivered him it brought him peace supernatural peace and supernatural protection in the previous chapter we see that a lot of things were happening uh, there was revival there was a move of God's spirit in the city we see that people were coming to the Lord people were coming to the church the church was expanding and all of a sudden persecution takes place how many of you know that when things are going right in your life, the enemy doesn't like it. The enemy will try to put a stumbling block in front of you. 
the enemy will try to discourage you. The enemy will try to uh, do anything that he can to distract you, to be able to move you away from, from, from that victory. And so that's what happened here in this case. We saw that God was moving, but the enemy started working. The enemy started saying, hey, if I can kill those people, if I can kill the head of the church, the church will disappear. And so the enemy used King, King Herod to do that. And so King Herod thought, okay, I'm going to destroy the head of the church. So that way the movement can stop. Because they were getting tired of seeing this movement rise up. And they were getting tired of seeing God move in their midst and, and creating a chaos. Because the people were too religious to see uh, God move. And God do the supernatural. And God do signs and wonders. So that's why the prayer ministry... It's going to be vital for our survival in the future for us as a church, as a body. Because who knows what's going to happen in one or two or three years to the church, right? We don't know what's going to happen. So we need to be ready as a body, as a church. We need to be seeking the impossible through God. So, so far we see that James has been, he's, he's been martyred. We see that Peter is incarcerated, and we see King Herod eliminating the church. A lot of impossibilities, a lot of crazy things. And so, we know that Jesus, he warned us, and he says, hey, if they persecuted you, no, if they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. So, we as a church, as a body, we need to know that, hey, it could happen to us. It could happen here in the United States, that we might face persecution. And so we need to be ready. We need to know who we are, whose we are, where we are, where we stand before the God of the universe. So we see the church began praying earnestly. The church, when they saw that their leader had no hope, they prayed. They went before the Lord they prayed. They did not know what to do. They did not know where else to go but to prayer. And so they gathered together and they put their faith together. They put their, their hearts together and they cried out to the Lord. I, I can only imagine, I can only hear and I can only picture them coming together crying out for God to do something. Crying out for God to pull through when you're in those desperate moments that's when you cry out to the Lord have you been in those places before when you cry out to the Lord because you're desperate you have nowhere else to go no one else to turn to but God and so that's what happened here there was nothing else that they could do so they cried out to the Lord and on that same night that the church was praying Herod and and his people were planning out his execution. And but God showed up. God showed up and he sent an angel to the rescue. That's a, that's a supernatural intervention right there. He sent an angel in an, an angelic rescue mission for Peter to break out from the jail. The impossible. So never forget that when you pray... The impossible can happen. So, 
about a year ago, um, my daughter was three months, no, three weeks old, and she stopped breathing. She was having some episodes of um, uh, breathing problems, and so she was almost unconscious. And so we had to call 911 and everything, and so she was almost losing conscious. And so I, I did what I could. <laughs> There's nothing else that you can do. So crying out to God for mercy, crying out to God to intervene, crying out to God for a miracle. And so he did. He showed up. He, he uh, was able to pull through, and, and we saw that God moved. And, and so there was that miracle that took place. And now she's a year old, and she's, she's good, and she's healthy. And so God did the impossible there. The ambulance came, and we had to take her to the hospital. And, but she was there just for observation. But Everything else is fine. It's one of those things that can happen. And so, but it, when it happens to you and you're desperate for God to move, you cry out to Him. You cry out in earnestly. You cry out for uh, God to do something supernaturally. Uh, we have a, um, a pastor who, their son, and uh, the pastor's a missionary and he, he travels to other places. Their son, he was sick. Uh, and he went to the hospital. He had a, a flu, and then that flu became a pneumonia, and then became uh, infection. And he he was in the hospital for several days. And the doctors every day gave him bad news, bad news, bad news, and to the point where they had to do they they were going to do a major surgery if things weren't going to clear up. And so they got to the end of like after like two weeks, and it dawned on them when they were desperate at that moment. That they prayed all night. They decided to pray and um, be by the bed praying all night. Seeking God for a move. Seeking God for a miracle. Seeking God for the impossible. Seeking God for a healing touch. And guess what? That was the turning point. That all nighter in their hospital bed was the turning point for that miracle to take place. After that, everything started to change. After that, the doctors was noticing that there was air moving in his lungs. They didn't have to do that surgery. They didn't have to do more interventions. And so God pulled through. God did the miracle after they sought the Lord earnestly. There were a lot of people praying, but they earnestly prayed that night for a miracle. And God showed up. God did the impossible. <clears throat> And so I believe that as a church, not just here, but as a church in general, we are missing that earnestness in our prayers. We're missing that, that fervency, that urgency in our prayers for God to move, for God to do signs and wonders, for God to do miracles, for God to show up and do the impossible. Imagine if the church would pray earnestly for God to do the impossible, for God to move and do miracles and and for God to do revival and what are we going to see when that happens? What are we going to notice? We're going to see God move. We're going to see God do miracles. We're going to see God do signs and wonders. We're going to see God do the impossible more often. So I wonder what it will take for the church to, to wake up and to, to be able to get to that level. I pray that it doesn't take persecution <laughs> like it did in the book of Acts. I pray that we can seek him like never before now and for us to be ready when those things happen. Amen? Another um, story from the Old Testament is when Hannah, Hannah prayed. 
She prayed to God when she was at the end of her rope. She prayed to God when she was overwhelmed, when she was embittered, when she was mad, when she was frustrated. She prayed to God for a miracle. Do we have that passage? If not, I can read it here. First uh, Samuel 1.10. It says, in deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly. We see here that she was in distress. She was in anguish. So she was weeping bitterly. And she made a vow uh, to the Lord saying, If you look on your servant's misery and remember me, and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. So here's Hannah. She's going through a lot for several years. And she got to the point where she was desperate. We need sometimes to get to the point of desperation to be able to cry out to God in this way and for God to show up. He says, she says, I have been praying here out of my great anguish and grief. Elijah answered. Uh, we skip a verse there. Elijah answered to her, go in peace and may God and the God of Israel grant you what you have asked of him. So in the course of time, Hannah became pregnant and she gave birth to a son. She named him Samuel, saying, because I asked the Lord for him. And later on, um, they brought him back to Eli and, sh and she told him, hey, pardon me, sir, my Lord. As surely as you live, I am that woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I pray for this child and the Lord has granted me what I ask of him. So now I give him to the Lord, for his whole life will be given over to the Lord. And he worshiped the Lord there. So we see here the, the miracle of a praying woman. She was desperate. She prayed bitterly, crying to God because she was in, in that need. She was, in, she was crying out to the Lord for that miracle. She wanted that. And guess what? We see Samuel that was born, a great prophet who changed the course of a nation who change even now our world. And so prayers can do the impossible and above the impossible. He can, they can change the course of a, a, a nation. So going back to Peter, we see that he is surrounded by enemies. He's surrounded by soldiers. How many? Sixteen soldiers were taking care of him. <laughs> they were uh, watching him that he would not leave that place. It was the maximum security at that time. Sixteen soldiers. Two of them were handcuffed to him. Two of them were at the door. Two of them were in the, in the front. So there was a lot of people watching him. So they would not escape. Why? Because King Herod knew that these Christians were escapists. They knew that Jesus escaped from the sealed tomb. They knew that, P that Paul had already escaped um, with a, uh, in a basket out of Damascus. And also Peter already had escaped twice supernaturally from jail. So he was ready. King Herod was ready for there not to be any uh, physical intervention for Paul. But King Herod didn't know that, hey, he can be delivered from 16 Soldiers. Amen? That's, uh, in the physical, it was impossible to escape. 
There's no way. There's no way that he could have escaped. He would have been killed on the first try. But with God, all things are possible. So now we can only imagine the hopelessness that this um, people had uh, and what Peter had. But nevertheless, he had peace. Nevertheless, he was, what was he doing when he was in the jail? He was not praying. He was asleep. The people were praying for him, but Peter was asleep. Imagine you trying to sleep when things are going crazy in your life. You trying to sleep when you know you're going to get killed maybe the next day or the following day. No, this was supernatural peace that came as a result of their prayer. And he was not worried. He was not worried at all. He knew that, that, um, that God was going to pull through either with his death or with his uh, release supernaturally. He knew that, that to live, to, to die is gain. He knew that. He knew that, I mean, uh, that um, it was going to be for God's glory. And so he was not worried. He was asleep between two soldiers handcuffed. Man, imagine you're sleeping there and then you have two soldiers next to you sleeping, handcuffed. You know you're going to die the next day. And so it's a trust thing that he had with Jesus. And have you guys played that game um, when you were a kid? Maybe not as adults because we're smarter now. When you're a kid, you play sometimes games that, that are dangerous. So this game, um, it's the fallback game where you maybe are blindfolded. You, you spin around and then you have... Somebody behind you trying to catch you, right? And so you think, are they going to be able to catch me? Are they going to be able to hold me? Are they, are they, are they there? Can I have a volunteer? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, well, we can try it right here. And it's, it's a trust game. And it can be very, very frightening. To, to um, have your life in somebody else's hand. And, but so there's all these thoughts that run in your mind. Are they going to be able to catch me? The anticipation of falling back. Are they there? Or, or like, what if they're not there? And you get hurt. But when you do and they're there and they catch you, then that self-reliance shifts to total dependence. Then you become dependent on, on the trust that you had with that person. Or... Um, that wholehearted confidence and trust are surrendered to that person. And so that's what we need to do with God. When we are at, our ends, when we are at the end of the rope, when we are in a desperate situation, when we are in that desperate moment, then that's when we trust God for, for the impossible. That's when we trust God to move and do a miracle in our lives so we need to trust the Lord with all our hearts and, we not, and not lean on our own understanding. Trust the Lord with all your hearts and do not lean on your own understanding. So we see now that, okay, the angel has to come. He has to rescue him. He's asleep between two soldiers. He has to wake him up. He has to strike, he strikes him 
to wake him up. He, he didn't just like touch him. Hey, come on, let's go. He struck him and to wake him up. He was asleep. He was, yeah, he was in deep sleep. And so he was not just touched by the angel, but he was struck by the angel. And we can see that, that now the angel has to tell him what to do. He says, hey, get up. Get up. Put your mantle. Put your robe on. Uh, put your shoes on. And come on. Come with me. And so they leave. They, everybody else, the, the guards are probably asleep or maybe they're, they're what's the word? They're maybe blinded, the angel himself. himself. Uh, so they didn't know what's going on. And so we have Peter. Um, he gets up. He goes, he follows the angel. And so, so a lot of times when, when God uh, shows up in our lives, we hesitate. <laughs> we, say, we hesitate. And so he has to encourage us. He says, get up, get up, get dressed and follow me. So a lot of times when, when we see God move and do something, maybe we don't accept it or we don't understand it. But we see right here that... Uh, that the peace of God was with him. And so he was able to just have peace and know that the God was in control. He was able to follow um, the angel out. Uh, the, the Lord rescued him miraculously. And he took him out. Took him out of the jail. The door swung open. I mean, everything was just supernatural. Supernatural. Supernatural encounters. Supernatural uh, moves uh, from God. Why? Because the people prayed. Because the church prayed earnestly. The church was on their knees crying out to God for mercy. Crying out to God for a miracle. Crying out to God for, for uh, 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 signs and wonders. And Peter probably was like, okay, I know. I know God is with me. Uh, he was probably quoting or, or thinking about Psalms 34-7. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Look how powerful this. The angel of the Lord camps around those who fear him. And he delivers them. Probably that was maybe going on Peter's mind before he fell asleep. Like, yeah, I know the, the, the angels of the Lord are with me. I know that he will deliver me. I know that I will not fear. I know that he will be uh, here at the right time. And another verse that probably was going through his mind, uh, Psalms 4.8. In peace, I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, made me dwell in safety. Here, Peter, laying around, laying on the cell next to two soldiers. And he's saying, probably in his mind, I will lay here in peace and in safety. Awesome, right? Powerful. So, I encourage you, pray more, seek more. Because the more we pray and the more we call on God, uh, the more expectations you will have on God. You will expect God to move. You will expect God to do miracles. You will expect God to do signs and wonders. And so that's my challenge for us as a church to seek God more this year. Seek him like never before. For us to increase our expectation as we pray. For us to be able to know that we can pray and God will do the impossible in our lives. And so let's, let's come before the Lord this morning. Let's pray and let's seek God. Let's seek God for miracles. Let's seek God for, for signs and wonders. And so if you can stand to your feet, let's, let's pray this morning that God will, will help us. Because we need help in that area. I need help in that area. It's not an 
easy area to, to be part of because it, it requires a lot. It demands a lot. Earnest prayers demand from you. So we need to get out of our comfort zone. We need to get out of our, our route, route um, just going with emotions. We need to seek God like never before in our lives and seeking God for miracles. Amen? Let's pray this morning. Father God, we know that you are great. We know that you are a good father. We know that you are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. Father God, we pray that, that you, Father God, raise us up, Father God. We pray, Father God, that you raise us this year, Father, like never before in the area of prayer. Father God, I pray in the Lord that, that we can seek you earnestly, Father God, that we can seek you urgently. Father God, I pray that we can seek you wholeheartedly like never before. Father God, help us. Help us to pray. Help us to go deeper in you. Help us, Father God. Give us the anointing, Father God. Give us the, the passion, the desire to go deeper in you. Father God, we want to see you move. We want to see you do the impossible. We want to see uh, the expectation of you moving in our midst, Father God. Increase our territory, Father God. Increase our capacity to understand what you are doing in our midst, Father God. I pray, Lord, for, for more. I pray, Father God, for that hunger and the desire to seek you as a church, as a body. Father God, let us come before you, Lord Jesus, seeking you like never before for a move of your spirit, for revival, Father God, for the lost in our community, in our workplace, Father God, our missionaries. Father God, let us worship you like never before, Lord Jesus. I pray, Lord, Father God, that you make this church, Father God, a church that's wholeheartedly in love with you. Father God, we want to worship you in spirit and in truth. We want to be able to come before you, Lord, and we want to be able to expect the unexpected. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you're going to do. Thank you for how you're going to use mosaic life, Father God. Thank you, Father. We want to be part of that move of your spirit. We want to be able to be used by you. Father God, we, wanna, we, won't, we don't want to be just casual observers, Father God. We want to be engaged in what you are doing, Father. Help us, Lord Jesus. Help us, Father God.